Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Middle East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Indonesian Religious Affairs Minister Yakut Cholil Kumas set the bar high for President Joko Widodo, as well as Nahdatul Ulama, the religious backbone of Mr. Widodo's government, when he laid out the agenda for his country's presidency of the Group of 20. The G20 groups the world's largest economies. Speaking to the G20 Interfaith Forum in Bologna, as Italy prepared to hand over its presidency to Indonesia, Mr. Kumas also threw down a gauntlet for Indonesia's Middle Eastern competitors in a battle to define the degree to which Islam incorporates principles of tolerance, pluralism, gender equality, secularism, and human rights as defined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The battle, which is likely to determine which Muslim-majority country or countries will be recognized as leaders of the Islamic world, takes on added significance with the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and concerns about Taliban policy towards militants on Afghan soil. Meanwhile, uncertainty about U.S reliability as a security guarantor in the Gulf is prompting regional foes to contain their differences to ensure that they don't spin out of control, increasing their emphasis on the project projection of soft power. Turkey's 2022 budget appears to signal the shift, and the importance President Recep Tayyip Erdogan attributes to this particular challenge. The budget of the powerful Directorate of Religious Affairs, or Dianet, is expected to increase by 20% for fiscal 2022, giving it greater financial flexibility than the Ministries of Interior, Foreign Affairs, Trade, Industry and Technology, Environment and Urbanization, Energy and Natural Resources, and Culture and Tourism. These ministries are key for enabling Turkey to resolve its economic problems, compensate for the fallout of the pandemic, and enhance its appeal as a potential leader of the Muslim world. The Dianet, in another sign of Mr. Erdogan's emphasis on religious rather than national identity, recently urged Turks to use the religiously framed greeting, peace be upon you, rather than phrases like good morning, prevalent in Turkey since its founding as a republic almost a century ago. Diyanet President Ali Erbas argued in a recently published Turkish-language book, Human Religion and Religion in the Information Age, that the greeting Good Morning traced its origins to the pre-Islamic era. These latest moves suggest that Mr. Erdogan is taking his country, also a member of the G20, down a path diametrically opposed to what Mr. Kumas was arguing in Bologna. The minister contended, in contrast to Mr. Erdogan's policies, that religion has the potential to help block the political weaponization of identity, curtail the spread of communal hatred, promote solidarity and respect among the diverse people, cultures, and nations of the world, and foster the emergence of a truly just and harmonious world order, founded upon respect for the equal rights and dignity of every human being. 
yet to realize this potential we must wisely manage the inevitable struggle between competing values as globalization brings highly diversified peoples, cultures, and traditions into ever closer contact, the minister said. Mr. Kumas made his remarks as an Islamist journalist called on Mr. Erdogan to avoid the weaponization of religion. Writing in Karar, a Turkish publication believed to be close to Mr. Erdogan's erstwhile prime and foreign minister, Ahmed Davut Olu, who left the ruling Justice and Development Party, AKP, to found a party of his own, journalist Ahmed Tashkatirin warned that the president appeared to be politicizing the Dianet. Drawing on a comparison to Mr. Erdogan's politicization of Turkey's judiciary, Mr. Tashkatirin noted that it weakens people's confidence in it. Pleading with Mr. Erdogan, Mr. Tashkatirin cautioned that the politicization of the religion and the Dianet runs people's relationship, ruins people's relationship with religion. I think you would never want this for the religion. For the religion's sake, please. Mr. Kumas, the scion of an influential Nahadatul Ulama family and the former head of the group's powerful youth wing, G.P. Ansor, went on to say in his speech in Bologna that one major task that lies before us is to identify and consensually observe those universal values that a majority of the world's inhabitants already acknowledge, such as the virtues of honesty, truth-seeking, compassion, and justice. Another parallel task is to develop a global consensus regarding shared values that the world's diverse cultures will need to embrace if we are to coexist peacefully. Implicitly, the minister noted that in contrast to its competitors, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Turkey, and Iran, in the battle to reshape mainstream Islam, Nahadatul Ulama, one of, if not the world's largest civil society organization, has put its money where its mouth is. Mr. Kumas noted that a gathering in 2019 of more than 20,000 Muslim religious scholars associated with Nahadatul Ulama ruled that the legal category of infidel or kafir was neither relevant to nor applicable, with, applicable within the context of a modern nation-state. In doing so, Nadatul Ulama became the world's first major contemporary Sunni Muslim religious entity to seek to update and modernize Islamic jurisprudence. Mr. Kumar stopped short of laying out an agenda for dealing with other concepts in Islamic law that Nahadatul Ulama clerics have identified as, as either problematic or obsolete, such as blasphemy. Nahadatul Ulama has argued that concepts like the dhimmi, or people of the book who are recognized in classical Islamic jurisprudence but not granted equal status before the law, and apostasy had been invalidated by the ruling on infidels. To be sure, countries like Saudi Arabia and the UAE, where Islamic law is at the least recognized constitutionally as a main source of legislation, if it does not constitute the main fountain of legislation, 
have significantly liberalized social rights. Saudi Arabia has enhanced women's rights in recent years by lifting a ban on women's driving, liberalizing gender segregation, reducing men's control over women's lives, and expanding professional opportunities. Similarly, the UAE announced last November a major overhaul of the country's Islamic personal laws, allowing unmarried couples to cohabitate, loosening alcohol restrictions, and criminalizing honor killings, a widely criticized religiously packaged tribal custom that allows a male relative to kill a woman accused of dishonoring a family. Liberalization of social mores in Saudi Arabia and the UAE were anchored in civilian law, rules and regulations, but neither country, in contrast to the process initiated by Nahadatul Ulama, adopted Islamic jurisprudence accordingly. That way, the two Gulf states, in contrast to Indonesia, seek to keep tight state control of their interpretation of Islam, with no input by civil society. The dichotomy raises fundamental questions, including whether what Nahadatul Ulama calls the recontextualization of Islam can be achieved by autocratic or authoritarian regimes that are seeking to ensure their survival and project themselves internationally in a positive light, or whether religious reform needs to be popularly anchored and driven by civil society. Despite being in government, Mr. Kumas implicitly provided his answer to the question by quoting a poem by Kiai Haji Mustafa Bishri, a prominent Nahalatul Ulama spiritual leader. The poem, titled Religion, focuses on the behavior of the individual rather than the role of the state. Religion is a golden carriage prepared by God to convey you along the path to his divine presence. Don't become mesmerized by its beauty, much less enchanted to the point that you come to blows with your own brothers and sisters over who occupies the front seat. Depart, the poem reads. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.